Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of Child Talk with Jesus. I'm Pam Pastor, and today I'll be guiding us through another episode of our Taylor's Bible Storybook, and of course, the Bible too. And you know, friends, now more than Ever, it is absolutely pertinent that you identify with Jesus Christ and his finished work upon the cross. If you follow the BRICS nation or anything going on in the European nation, you're going to know that some of the prophecy that had been outlined in the book of Daniel is all aligning. And so I would highly recommend that you acquaint yourself with the book of Daniel. And we'll look into that over time. But at this point, the world is either dark or light. And I hope that you're going to choose light. You know, we say that if this is your first time joining me, I've said this on many, many occasions, but God blesses and honors those of us who diligently seek his word. And then we place it into action. Or perhaps we're even longtime listeners. And if so, welcome back. You know, I took a few hours and was debating whether I really wanted to continue forward with forward momentum towards a podcast because everyone and everything that aligns towards this is saying, no, don't do a podcast. No, that's not your grouping. Well, I'm Team Jesus. So this is my group. These are my people. And maybe, you know, I don't identify with the other podcasts out here and that's okay. So I'm going to continue on for now doing what I know that the Lord our God has called me to do, and that is to educate on his word. So hopefully you're going to hang in there with me. You're going to realize that you as well as myself, we're all clay upon that potter's wheel and we're in his hand, meaning that he's always transforming and shaping us, renewing us both physically as well as spiritually. So prepare to power up your life. And if you have a question for me or suggestion or feedback, feel free to email it me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, now we're going to prepare to enter into God's presence today, and we're going to ask that scripture really penetrate our stony hearts and give us new revelation of the word. You see, the word teaches, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that he loves. And the reason scripture says that is that we need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what the word is telling us. Because so often without the spirit, you can try to read that word of God and it's not going to become illuminated in your hearts because without the spirit transferring it into your spirit, it just doesn't make sense. So now we learn from the Apostle Paul an important truth about Scripture. He was having a conversation with his protege, Timothy. And kids, do you know what a protege means? It means a person who's personally instructed or mentored. The disciples and apostles were learners of Jesus, but here we're going to see Paul taking an active approach in Timothy's learning. Paul wants to see his friend Timothy succeed. 
And it's recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. What exactly did these verses convey to us? Well, we're told that Timothy must remain faithful to the teachings he was being taught. You see, he knew them to be truthful, and what he learned was sheer wisdom, godly wisdom. He learned by trusting in Jesus, he was saved for eternity. And we're going to talk about that at the end of this podcast. We're going to talk about the plan of God's salvation. And kids, it's going to be probably a little bit over your heads. Uh, it's very easy to understand, but I'm going to give you the exact breakdown of what the Holy Scriptures teach us. Timothy was one of the first second generation Christians, which means that his mom and grandma were first generation Christians, but he came along as a second generation Christian, like the next grouping, if you will. So he became a Christian not because some evangelist or some preacher preached a powerful sermon, but because his mother and grandmother taught him the Holy Scriptures when he was just a small child. So we are to be like Timothy and listen to what our parents are teaching us. And as an aside for parents, your work in the lives of your child or children is vitally important. I can't stress enough that at this point in time, in the schematic of life, it is extra important. (laughs) It's extremely important. And at home and in the church, we should realize that teaching small children is both an opportunity, a gift, and a responsibility. Jesus wanted little children to come to him. And in Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15, it says this, Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and he departed from there. Children, you're a blessing from God. And God's son Jesus loved children. And the Psalms tells us that children are a heritage from the Lord. God gives them to your parents as a gift. And Matthew was teaching that children, as well as all of humanity, was born into sin. We didn't do anything wrong, but because of this condition, being born into sin because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, we need to be saved. So we would need some help. And that's why Jesus, because of his compassion, and he made blessing the children his top priority. So like Timothy's mother and great-grandmother Eunice and Lois, mom and dad, let us do our part in leading our children to Jesus. And if you're tuned in to Child Talk, you are doing just that. So congratulations. 
Now, on our last edition, we read a story called Jacob Lied to His Father. We learned that Isaac, who was the father of twin boys, Esau and Jacob, had told Esau to go out into the field and get a deer. Meanwhile, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, and her younger twin son, Jacob, prepared to fool Isaac. Rebecca told Jacob to kill two lambs from their flock of sheep and bring them to her. She then cooked them so that the meat tasted just like deer meat, the kind Jacob's father loved so much. Jacob proceeded into his father's room, pretending to be Esau. Jacob would receive the first blessing from his father Isaac because he tricked him into thinking he was blessing the older son Esau. You see, kids, normally the blessing always went to the older son. And when Esau found out that his brother had stolen his blessing and birthright, he said he would kill Jacob. And you know that things like this still still goes on in the world today. There are people because of John chapter 10 verse 10 that says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I come to give life and give it more abundantly. Well, the thief is Satan, and Satan works through people who come to kill, steal, and destroy our dreams, our lives, our livelihoods. It still happens today, and it's why we must focus on Jesus Christ, because he's the one that vindicates all wrongs against us. So in order to spare Jacob's life, Rebecca, his mother, told Isaac, Canaanite girls didn't love God. They prayed to idols, and she told Isaac she would rather die than to see Jacob marry a girl who didn't love God. So in order to spare Jacob's life, Rebecca, his mother, went ahead and forged the plan to have Isaac intervene and send Jacob away to that far off land where his uncle Laban lived. Now we're picking back up where Jacob leaves home. And at the end of our story, we're going to pick back up with some questions. So I want you to keep a lookout for these throughout our story. What was Jacob's dream? What was the name of the girl Jacob met at the well? What did Laban say Jacob had to do before he could marry Rachel? Who was Leah? Why did Jacob decide to return home to his father? So now we're going to pick back up with Jacob leaves home. As Jacob traveled, he had a dream one night. He thought he saw some stairs in front of him reaching to heaven, and angels were going up and down them. God stood at the top of the stairs and told Jacob about the country he was going to give him and his children. And God said he would be with Jacob and take care of him wherever he went and would bring him safely home again. Jacob woke up and was afraid because God had been there and had spoken to him. So very early the next morning, he got up and worshiped the Lord. He called the place Bethel, which means the house of God. Jacob promised that if God would take care of him, if he would give him enough food and clothes and would keep him from harm until he got back to his father's home again, then he would obey God and give him a tenth of everything he had. Jacob meant that he would help the poor and the sick with his money and would build altars and would sacrifice burnt offerings. That's the way he would give a tenth of all that he had to God. 
Jacob kept traveling a long, long time until he came to Haran, where Laban lived. He saw a well there in a field, three flocks of sheep lying around it, and the shepherds with their flocks. A large rock was rolled over the mouth of the well to cover it. When all the flocks arrived each evening, the shepherds would roll away the stone and get water for the sheep. Afterwards, the stone would be rolled back over the mouth of the well again. Jacob asked the shepherds where they lived, and they told him at Haran. Do you know Laban, he asked them. Yes, they said, we surely do. Jacob asked if he was well. Yes, he is, they replied. And look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with his sheep. Jacob went over to the well and kissed Rachel, then rolled away the stone and watered her sheep for her. He explained to her that he was her cousin, her aunt Rebecca's son, and she ran and told her father. When Laban heard that his nephew had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He gave him a warm welcome and brought him home. After Jacob had been there about a month, Laban asked him to stay and work for him. By this time, Jacob was very much in love with Rachel, and he told Laban he would work for him seven years if he could marry Rachel afterwards. Laban was delighted, so Jacob worked for him the next seven years. Even though it was a long time, the years went by so fast, they seemed like only a few days to Jacob because he loved Rachel so much. But when the time was up, Laban would not let him marry Rachel. He said her older sister Leah should be married first. So Jacob had to marry her in order to marry Rachel afterwards. He had to work seven more years for Rachel. This was very unfair of Jacob's uncle. But Jacob agreed to it because of his love for Rachel. So he stayed and worked seven years more, and both Leah and Rachel were his wives. Afterwards, he married two more girls, so he had four wives in all. Jacob wanted to take his wives and children back home to the land of Canaan to see if his father and mother were still alive. He also thought that perhaps after all this time, Esau would forgive him for stealing his blessing. But Laban wouldn't let Jacob go. Laban said he realized that the Lord was blessing him because of Jacob's being there, and he asked what wages Jacob wanted in order to stay longer. Jacob said that if Laban would give him some of his sheep and goats, he would stay. So Laban did. Jacob's flock soon grew very large. After a while, he was rich and had many slaves and camels and donkeys as well as large flocks of sheep. One day, Jacob heard Laban's sons talking angrily about him. They said he had stolen their father's sheep, and that was why he was so rich. Jacob noticed that Laban was not as friendly to him as he used to be. Then God told Jacob to return home to his father in the land of Canaan. God said he would be with Jacob and take care of him and keep him from harm. Jacob sent word for Rachel and Leah to meet him out in the field where he was caring for his flock. He wanted to talk with them where Laban couldn't hear what he said. He told them that their father wasn't friendly to him anymore and that the Lord had told him to go back to Canaan. Rachel and Leah both agreed he must do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. 
So do you remember at the beginning of our reading, in the beginning of the story, I said to be on the lookout for some questions. Well, the first one was, what was Jacob's dream? Well, Jacob dreamed he saw some stairs in front of him reaching to heaven and angels were going up and down them. God stood at the top of the stairs in front of him reaching toward heaven and angels were going up and down them. God stood at the top of the stairs and told Jacob about the country he was going to give him and his children. And God said he would be with Jacob and take care of him wherever he went and would bring him safely home again. Now, the name of the girl that Jacob met at the well, her name was Rachel. But before Jacob could marry Rachel, he had to marry her older sister, Leah, so that he could marry Rachel afterward. That was the custom in their day. So Leah was Rachel's older sister. And finally, why did Jacob decide to return home to his father? Well, one day, Jacob heard Laban's sons gossiping, talking angrily about him. He had done nothing to them, but they were jealous. They said he had stolen their father's sheep, and that was why he was so rich. Jacob noticed that Laban was not as friendly to him as he used to be. His, it seems like the brothers were getting to him, even though he had done nothing wrong. And that's sometimes... Kids, what happens in life? Sometimes we do nothing wrong and others get jealous and whisper and gossip. And it's called group think where they turn people against us. As a side note, though, know that God loves you. Jesus loves you and Jesus always protects you. So Jacob travels from his father's house to his uncle Laban's house. And it was 850 miles and they went by foot They didn't even have horses at that time. They did have donkeys, but he he traveled by foot. So Jacob's ladder is what we refer to as the dream from this story. This was a meeting between God and Jacob. Jacob dreamt of a ladder spanning earth to heaven with angels of God traversing upon it. The ladder acts as a metaphor of the eternal God's desire to communicate with his people. Remember, a metaphor is showing us what something is, but giving us another example of it. We talked about that last week. And the Lord appeared above the ladder and declared that his promises to Abraham and Isaac extended to Jacob as well. See, in that dream, that ladder spanned from earth all the way to the heavens, Jacob had met Rachel at that well, and instantly he fell in love with her. But he arrived in that new city without any gifts or possessions, which had placed him at a great disadvantage in securing a wife like Rachel. So he served the seven years in order to marry Rachel in place of what was known as a dowry. Now, a dowry would have been gifts and possessions that he would have brought in a big trunk and given to Rachel's father. But instead, like I said, he served and worked for those seven years in place of the dowry. So Jacob was fooled by his uncle Laban and first had to marry the older daughter Leah. So after another seven years, his obligation was complete and then he was able to marry Rachel. So join back with me next time as we explore the story called Jacob Returns.
And now, kids, if you have not been spiritually reborn, meaning you have not invited Jesus to come live in your heart through the person of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray a prayer now that's going to ask and invite Jesus in to live in your heart, meaning that after this prayer, you're going to live someday, way, way, way in the future, someday when you die, you're going to live in the kingdom of God with God, Jesus, and Heavenly Father. So repeat after me, Father God, I'm repenting of any known sins or unknown sins. Maybe I was mean to my brother or sister and I didn't even realize it. So I'm I'm saying I'm sorry for that. And that means that I'm just changing my ways of thinking. I'm changing my ways of acting and doing life. Jesus, I'm inviting you to take up permanent residence upon the throne of my heart. I want you to be the king of my life. I'm confessing your shed blood washed away my past, present, and future sin upon that cross at Calvary. Amen. And friends, like I said, if you just prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. See, you didn't die a physical death, but you had a spiritual rebirth. And if you need more help and more clarification on that, that's something that your parents can help you with. So now you might want to get into, if you have a children's Bible, ask your parents to read with you daily so they can direct, the Holy Spirit can direct and reveal himself to you. And if you have a good Bible-based church, it's a great place to be with your friends and learn more about Jesus. And so... Friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available every day of the week. And as you see on Wednesdays, we do our special children's edition. So join me as we continue to discuss and share Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. Some of the topics we discuss center around biblical forgiveness, Jesus's teaching parables, miracles, and his message and ministry, in addition to the harmonization of the four gospels. So this is an open invitation for you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark together on an adventure of exploration of all things pertaining to Jesus. And if you like this episode and want to hear more, make sure to subscribe so you'll get the latest releases as they become available. And if you're interested in being a guest, send me an email at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. And finally, friends, occasionally material is referenced direct from my book. It has the same name as our podcast, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you find the content inspiring, compelling, or perhaps wish to go deeper with a rigorous study of your own, you can pick up a copy of the book from pampastorcopywriting.com or at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. The book is full of God's word and it's waiting for you to read it. 
And you know, I promised that at the end we would discuss this plan of saving salvation and what that looks like and what that entails. It starts with Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the Greek word for the wages of sin is really pocket change, and death is not only the final result of sin, but the present result of sin. Eternal life is a grace gift that we are given by God. And then we move into Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And this is also called the Romans road. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this is an exposition of Christ's love for us. And John chapter 3, verse 16 expands upon that exposition that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only beloved son so that we could have eternal life and that none of us would perish. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because Christ is God and God is Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection took care of the world's sins. Just as all who sin will be judged, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Confessing Christ is evidence of genuine faith. Salvation comes through belief in Christ, acknowledging that he is God and was raised from the dead. You see, friends, Christ's death satisfied God's righteous demand for the penalty for sins and Christ's resurrection validated both his claims and the Father's statements that he is God. And then we move into Psalm chapter 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And finally, we round out with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The original force of the term redemption recalls the word forum, the place in ancient cities where slaves were bought and sold. Believers have been redeemed from the bondage of sin and freed by the shed blood of Christ. And you know, I mentioned grace earlier. Grace is one of God's expressions of love for us, and so is mercy. But specifically, grace is the gift, unsought, unmerited, unlimited, that overrules whatever a person has done, no matter the depth of the transgression or the darkness of heart. So friends, I hope you'll join back for another truthful, truth-filled edition tomorrow. God bless you.